Well, welcome back from the coffee break. As I shared earlier, my name is Kurt. I serve as lead pastor at the Vineyard. We are glad to be on this journey with you. We are on a journey of following Jesus here at the Vineyard, and we believe that it is the love of Jesus that transforms our lives. And as we experience transformation, we join Jesus on the mission of God in the cities that we live, work, play. We are joining God's redemptive story here and now in our day, in our time. And so we're glad that you're with us. You have found us in week two, week two of our series, The Friendship Factor. The Friendship Factor. We believe that in following Jesus, he invites us to relationships that are vibrant, that are meaningful, and that impact and influence the way we live our life. And so we hope this is a really practical series that helps you fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with the scriptures, that they would meet you in a tangible way. And so I want to give a real quick recap. Uh, Last week, we kicked off the series in this way, that Matthew 4, Jesus says, come follow me and I will. Come follow me and I will. This is the, the invitation of Jesus and the promise of Jesus is that there is an intentionality in friendship when we begin to follow Jesus. That there's an intentional investment that is mutual and reciprocal. That because I follow Jesus, Jesus now informs my life and teaches me how to live my life. Listen to this. Jesus teaches me how to live my life the way Jesus would live my life if Jesus were living my life. Let that sink in for a second. Dallas Willard invites us to that thought. If Jesus were living your life, how would Jesus take that meeting this week at work? How would Jesus handle adversity? That's what we want to discover is we want to live our lives the way Jesus would invite us to live our lives. And so he says, come follow me and I will. And so what we realize is that friendship is all about intentional investment. Intentional investment. And so each of the weeks, this week and the weeks that follow, we're going to talk about a specific way you can intentionally invest in friendship. And here's what we believe. Friendship is one of the primary ways you will live on mission with Jesus. When you are a good friend, you are a tangible experience of the love of God. Friendship is living as a missionary to a really important person that God loves. Let that sink in. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that when you live and follow Jesus, every friendship is the mission field? That's a helpful thought. Friendship is a primary way you join the mission of God because God's pursuing you, God's pursuing your friends And so friendship becomes a place we join in the story of God. And so I need some crowd participation. Okay, I'm going to ask for your help. I've done this in some different rooms, and so we're going to see if it works here. Okay, I want you to turn to somebody close to you. If you happen to sit solo, maybe you can, if you're willing to move a chair or two over, grab somebody. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to talk to somebody next to you. If you're online, you can use the chat. What is a quality in a great friend? So what is a quality of a great friend? friend, okay? Talk amongst yourselves. Just a little time for some coffee talk, all right? A quality of a great friend. Interactive.
Okay, for those that are online, there's a lot of conversation happening in the room. We have a lot of ideas of what makes a great friend. Okay, now we're going to try something even a little more. We're going to stretch a little bit. We're gonna, I need to hear from the crowd, so I'm, I'm playing it a little bit risky here, but I'm curious, what's a quality that y'all think makes for a good friend? Trust. Loyalty. Loyalty. Did somebody say money? Man, we do live in a capitalistic culture. Okay, I get it, I get it. Thanks for dinner, friend, I appreciate it. Thanks for taking me on vacation, friend. Hint, hint. No, okay, how about over here? Listens. They're there when you need them. Honesty. Accept, they accept you. I mean, we could keep going and going and going. So I've done this in a lot of rooms, and you get sacrifice, and you get loyalty, and you get humor, care. They're a good listener. And the list grows and grows and grows. And so here's my next question. Will I become that type of friend to those around me. Church, we all want a friend like that. We want a friend who's loyal and honest and trustworthy and has integrity and is funny and is caring and is rich. Oh, wait, sorry, sorry, no. Y'all threw me off. Come on. Uh, at least I got the funny part, right? The question is, will I become that kind of friend to every one of the people in my life? What this does, it begins to say, we all want that kind of friendship. And I believe Jesus wants to offer us that kind of friendship so I can be transformed by the love of the living God and then I grow to become that kind of friend. The kind of friend that would be loving and joyful and patient and kind and generous and and kind of long-suffering, the kind of friend that would be selfless and show self-control, the kind of friend that bears the fruit of the Spirit, the kind of friend that's there when you need him, the kind of friend that has resources to share is generous, time, availability. We know the qualities of a good friend, yet I think we're in a deficiency of friendship in our day and time. So may we become the kind of community that extends friendship generously. May we grow in friendship in this day and time. And here's how we're sort of defining friendship. We're going to probably define friendship multiple ways because it's, it's kind of a beautiful uh, thing that's hard to encompass with just a couple words. But today the thought is this, friendship is a mutual, friendship is a mutual and reciprocal relationship, which means we both intentionally invest and we both receive. So there's kind of equity, there's balance, there's shared journey. A friendship is a mutual and reciprocal relationship rooted in love and intentional investment. Love and intentional investment. If you want to read a little bit more about this journey, consider this week reading out of 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1 gives us this beautiful picture of transformation that culminates in mutual affection and love. Qualities that are the fruitful outflow of some other things God wants to do in our heart, mind, soul, and life. Little uh, teaser for you. Mutual and reciprocal. 
Today, what I want us to press into is that the intentional investment we need in our friendship is prayer. Prayer. I don't know of any other way to tell it but to just shoot it straight and say this. Your friendships will deepen and strengthen when you begin to find a friend that you feel safe enough to pray with and pray for. It will change your life. And the only reason I know that is because it's changing mine. A beautiful friend is a friend who will pray for you. A courageous friend is a friend who will pray for you. And a beautiful friendship is a mutual and reciprocal space where you can say, I have need. And your friend can say, let's go to God together. See, prayer is the call of the gospel. Prayer is the conversation and connection with God where we can humbly enter God's presence. He says, come. We're going to see it in a minute in the scriptures. And we begin to say, God, here's my life. And God says, awesome, here's mine. And so in relationship with God, we learn to love God with all of our life. It is prayer. It is a conversation with God in sharing and listening. And then an intentional investment we can make in the people around us is to not hoard and keep our spiritual journey with God to ourselves, but begin to risk and say, hey, this feels awkward. I'm not quite sure what to say out loud to you, but I'm going to try. And we begin to share our conversation with God, and we begin to share it with a friend, and we let prayer be a primary and intentional investment we make in the people we love and care about. We want to invest God's heart in our friendships. We want to pray for one another. Susan Scott, in her book, Fierce Conversations, says this, the conversation is the relationship. Here's what I mean, and I think here's what she means if I apply it correctly. And Susan, if you're listening to this, I apologize if I misrepresent you. But in her book, she articulates this well, is this. I can think of a friend who's really dear to me, who I used to talk to regularly, who now I talk to very infrequently. The more we talked, the more we moved towards each other. The less we talked, the tangible rhythm and consistency of our friendship drifts. When we talk, we close the gap. When we get silent, we grow the gap. When we talk, we close the gap. When we get silent, we grow the gap. The conversation is the relationship. I think this is true with God. If my prayer life begins to get quiet and distant and inactive and unintentional, I drift from the presence of God. When I begin to wake up a little earlier, in my case, because I'm a morning person, I know to all the night owls, you're like, weird. When I wake up early and I am intentional and I invest conversation with God because God invites us to conversation with him, to pray, to listen, I watch myself feel closer and more connected. When my conversation gets lazy and lackadaisical and unavailable, the conversation is the relationship. And prayer is a primary way we can have conversation with God. Scriptures and prayer. My wife Lauren and I, in our friendship that we're growing, this is a commitment we've made to each other. 
Our goal is to keep the conversation going. To keep the conversation going. No matter how hard, no matter how afraid, no matter how dark, bleak, exhausted we are, no matter how good or struggling it is in that season of life, our goal is to keep the conversation going, to keep showing up, to keep listening, to keep sharing, to keep trying. And I would love for that to be said of what I am in friendship to God because that's who God is in friendship to us. And then as we walk with one another, prayer becomes a primary place. We say, God, come pour into us. Come walk with us. But I don't just want you to take my words for it. I want us to turn to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. So we were in Matthew 4. Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will. An intentional investment. And here we are. We're going to pick it up in Matthew 19, an interesting interaction. Verse 13. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. We would do our heart and our lives and our faith well to just think and ponder and hang out on these verses a lot more than we probably do. And I will not encompass all that I think Jesus invites us to in this moment and this reality, but here are a few. Here are a few. Prayer is a primary way we come to Jesus. We need to come and receive from Jesus. We do. That's not judgmental. That's not shaming. That is honest. And that is the greatest gift I could give you. You, you will receive so richly and so beautifully. And you will receive what you need if you will humble yourself and come into God's presence and say, you have what I need. You do. I've tried. I've done my best. And as I think about what's happening in my own life and trying to navigate being a parent to preteens, being a parent to little ones, for some of you, I hear stories of being a parent to a young adult or a, an adult. For those of you that have friends that you love and you care about and you're unsure and you're confused, we would all do ourselves such a service if we will regularly come into God's presence and say, you have what we need. That is prayer. Prayer is a primary way we come to Jesus. Speak. Speak over me. Speak to me. Guide, lead, direct, redirect, bless. Tell me I'm yours. Remind me that you love me. Prayer is where we hear from God. And in this beautiful passage, people brought little ones. They said, hey, could you bless these kids? Could you pour out your love and pour out your grace and pour out your mercy on them? 
As friends, that's what we're doing when we pray for a friend. Because prayer is not intended to be only where we receive what we need. Prayer is a primary way we bring our friends to Jesus. And you know what's really cool about prayer? You can pray for your friends without them knowing it. Okay, let's try that again. You can pray for your friends and they don't have to know. And that's one way to love them. I will tell you a really important thing. If you begin to pray for your friends before they hear your prayer, you will feel more practiced and confident so that they can hear your prayer. That they can hear your prayer. Because when I hear my friends pray for me, it is one of the greatest gifts to my faith, to my heart, and to the hope of my soul. It breaks through the lies I hear in my own head. It breaks through the discouragement I can feel in my own heart. And it is a tangible way I hear God's heart for me because I hear it from a friend who loves me as one made in the image of God who's saying, I'm for you. And if that friend can be for me, I know God can be for me. So begin to pray for your friends without them knowing it, but let's begin to be the kind of community that would live like Jesus and we would say, can I pray for you right now? Hey, what do you have going on in your life? God, would you meet that need? Hey, what, what is weighing on your heart right now? God, would you lift their burden? Hey, God, what are you celebrating? God, we praise, we praise your good gift in their life. And I want to tell you one other thing. If you read through the Gospels, okay, if you read through the Gospels and you follow Jesus in the way he prays, I've got great news for you. Okay, everybody get ready to write this down. This is big. Jesus prays short prayers. C. Yeah, these. <laughs> get up. You're forgiven. Now, Jesus prays some longer prayers. We prayed one of them today. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Jesus spent early morning hours with God, letting his heart be formed and transformed by the Father. He walked with people. He prayed. So here's what I want you to know. Wherever you are, you can get in on this. And Jesus will meet you and resource you for how you pray for your friends. This is an amazing gift. Prayer is a primary way we will bring our friends to Jesus. Prayer is a place we begin to express faith in humility. Here's what I mean. At the end of our service today, and almost every single week, we have people available to pray. They've practiced, they're growing confident, they're working as teams. I begin to learn how to pray for somebody else when I let people pray for me. When it goes well, I go, oh, I, I, should, I can do that. Maybe somebody prays for you. I've had times where people prayed for me. It was weird, and it did not go well. That's real. And you go, okay, I'm actually not going to pray like that for other people. Because it always is an expression of faith, and it should always be an expression of humility. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to express God's heart for you, but I'm not God. I might not get it right. I might actually say something that was hurtful or unintentional. So what I'm trying to anchor us in as a community is Prayer is a place we grow our humility. God, I need you. God, would you speak? That's faith. God, would you remind me of scriptures that would be applicable to this situation? 
prayer is the reality that God wants to be alive in our life, speak to us. We can hear God. We learn to hear God through the scriptures. We learn to hear God as we walk with other people that we trust, that have discernment. So prayer is where we receive. Amen? Just making sure y'all are awake. Prayer is where we bring our friends into the presence of God. Prayer is where we grow humility. I'm not God. The more I live, the more that gets clear to me. So where do I need to go? Into God's presence. And that can be in your living room. That can be in your car. That can be at sunrise, at sunset. That can be at the ball field. Dear Lord, I hope you show up at the ball field. And not so my kid wins so that your kingdom would come where people are. The reason we pray is we join Jesus. We pray this morning. We want the kingdom of God, the rule and reign, the authority of God to come here in every place and space. And I pray that God would do that in my life. And then out of that journey of walking with Jesus, I begin to just share that with my friends. Prayer is an expression of faith and humility. Now, here's, here's the thing we all need to understand. There can be real opposition to prayer. Did y'all know that? Let me, let me try to summarize this. Why would we pray? Well, we might pray to give thanks. We might pray prayers of gratitude for how good it is. Okay, prayer of, of gratitude and delight and God, you are so good and, and look at how good it is. But not everything is good. So we pray in the midst of a spiritual battle. We pray because not everything is right. So some of our prayers are, God, make this thing that's not right, right. God, where I'm weak, come give strength. Maybe Jesus was praying for healing. Why did the little children come into his presence? Were some of them sick? Were there discipline issues? <laughs> Were parents like, I need help? Was there calling on their life? What was happening when Jesus was praying for the kids? What I think was happening is that the kingdom of God was coming near. And that's what we want and need. That's the ministry of Jesus is that the kingdom of God is coming near. The authority of heaven is breaking in here and near which means there will be opposition. Here's what I mean. Courageous in the room. I'll start. Sometimes it's weird to pray with friends. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable or it can feel like an intimate, sacred space and I don't know if it feels too intimate. Can I really go there? Do I have the right words? Does anybody feel like sometimes there's opposition to prayer? Do I know what to say? Does this feel comfortable? Is it uncomfortable? Is it weird? The disciples rebuked the kids and the families. There was opposition in the moment in the people closest to Jesus. Does anybody else find that odd? The scriptures are cool. Like, the scriptures are really interesting. When we read the stories of Jesus and we kind of put ourselves there, like, and remember, this is Matthew 19. Like, they've had 15 chapters to follow Jesus. He, they've been sent, and they're, like, hanging out with him. And they're like, kids, get out of here. And Jesus is going, oh, my word. Have you not learned anything? 
there's opposition. There's spiritual opposition. And sometimes there's just opposition in me. I'm uncomfortable. And I let my comfort level determine whether or not I will risk. <laughs> Church, the thing that we need to understand in this day and time, and I shared this back in February, for those families in our city that want Jesus to lay his hands on them, that's on us. When we pray for, when we as a follower of Jesus join in the mission and the story of God, we become Jesus' prayer ministry team in our city, in our homes, at work. We can bless. We can say, let your kingdom come. And when we become the kind of followers of Jesus that will receive, we begin to understand that the whole faith journey is not an ascent to some adult status. It is a reminder to humble ourselves again and again and again to be like a child who in wonder will have the imagination and the freedom in God's presence to say, pray for me. Oh, Heavenly Father, will you love me like your kid? Oh, could I humble myself and just climb up on your lap? Hey, could you just like throw me in the ear, spiritually speaking? <laughs> God, would you love me? This feels too big for me. God, why do the clouds do what they do? We can ask every question in God's presence when we have faith like a child because that brings us into the one who created us and made us and holds us and loves us, who is here our healing and our hope, who went to the cross for us and conquered the grave for us and is risen and is praying for us day in and day out. Jesus ascended to the throne, is at the right hand of the Father and is praying for you. And with childlike faith, you can receive that every day. And when we grow as that kind of person, and when we get that kind of life flowing through our veins, guess what we're going to do? We're going to pray for our friends. Because kids love to be great friends to other kids. Have you ever seen that? Like they just sort of know how to do it. Now I'm still debating about whether or not they know how to be great friends to their parents. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's a, I'm working out my parenting journey in front of you. What I know is that my kids are amazing and I'm the one who has to ask for forgiveness. I'm the one who has to work to come back with humility of my heart. Kids know how to show up on a playground and play. Kids know to how to say, oh, come on. Come on. It's that selfishness, and it's the stuff that grows in me. It's the spiritual battle. It's, it's all that opposition that we begin to work out in community with one another because it is humility and childlike faith. Let the children come to me. Let your friends come to you. Pray for them. And let's just, let's just recognize what prayer is. Prayer is a sacred and intimate space where we deepen friendship with God and with one another. Do not resist that. Prayer is a sacred and intimate space, and I am careful and very specific with using the word intimate 
Because for prayer to be what it's intended to be, I have to share my authentic self with God and with a trusted friend. It's not just a surface thing. How you doing? I'm fine. It is letting the reality of my life in authenticity and humility be known to somebody else. It's intimate. It's letting the interior of your heart and mind be known in the presence of God and with somebody else. And that's where we need the investment of friendship. We need a friend who will meet us there and care for us and have grace and mercy for us and go, I'm not going to abandon you in that space because God does not abandon you in that space. God prays for you. And I will too. Friendship will be strengthened through intentional investments of prayer. So right now, I want you to think, in your life, do you have one friend? Do you have one friend who will pray for you if you called them? Where you can hear their prayer. Where you can read the text prayers. And for the record, text prayers count. They do. Email prayers count. Can you become that kind of friend to somebody else that you would call them this week or this month? I want to tell you a couple stories that I'm experiencing in my own life. Because here's what would be really weird. It would be really weird for me to uh, preach this message and have zero examples of what it means for me. So I'm going to give three, because I just thought of a third that merits being told today. When I was like seven or eight years old, my future mother-in-law prayed prayers over my life. And I'm forever grateful for that. Prayers prayed over me as a kid are impacting my life today in ways I didn't know they would, but in ways God knew they would. It matters. It matters that we invest in what we value and we pray prayers over our kids and our students so they hear the heart of God for them now in a culture that's trying to tell them lots of things. May the voice of God be clearer and louder and truer because we will be the kind of community that will pray for kids like Jesus prays for kids. Two, two years ago, I had a friend who pastors a vineyard church. I got to know him and he said, hey, what if we pray for each other on the same calendar day of every month? I'll text you, you text me. So on the 12th of every month, my friend sends me a text message. Says, how can I be praying for you today? And I send my friend a text message how can I be praying for you today? We're both pastoring churches and we're figuring this thing out. Two and a half years later, his prayers have been life to me. Once a month, on the same day of the month, for the record, you, you have to pick the 27th or so or, or, or lower. The 1st through the 27th or you're going to get messed up in February. We picked the 12th the 12th of every month, prayers over my life early in my life from other people 
changed my life. Prayers once a month from a friend over text are changing my life. Another friend of mine, we try to talk every week. It doesn't work out, but we've tried to be intentional to invest every week. If you miss a week, you know what you do the following week? Try not to miss two. If you miss three, get back on that horse. <laughs> intentional investment, right? Intentional investment. When we talk, we try to finish our call by saying, how can I pray for you? And we pray out loud over the phone for one another. Can I tell you what? If you want to grow in how to pray, listen to the prayers of other people in your life because they are beautiful and they are meaningful and they will be different than your prayers. And that's what we need. We need to hear other voices and the beauty of God and the diversity of God around us speaking hope and prayer and discerning and listening to God's heart for us, to stand with us so we never feel like we're standing alone. As a kid, once a month, almost every week, when we begin to be intentional that way as a church, we can take the words of Jesus and we can let them apply the way James encouraged us to. As we just studied, faith at work looks like this in James 5. The brother of Jesus, who was probably watching the prayer life of Jesus, says this is what it looks like to be the church, and this is how we're going to close. James 5. I'm telling you, the scriptures are so full of life. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer is the place we say, God, move. Please move. Prayer is the place we say, God, come near. We need you. And prayer is the place we say, God, heal. Take what's broken and make it whole because that is who you are and that is your kingdom. So let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. The more we practice it here together, the more confident we will be taking it with us when we go. This is intended to be a safe place to practice, to receive, to engage, so that we can grow in our generosity. And I'm going to tell you something. In most of my life, when I ask someone, could I pray for you, no matter what they believe about prayer, the majority of the time they say yes. They say yes. 
And you know what happens when they say no? You honor them. And you don't force it. So either way, you're good. But they know you care. And they know you believe that there is a God who is interested in their life. Matthew 19, God is interested in the littlest, in what the culture might say is the least of these. May it be said of us the same. We welcome everyone into God's presence because prayer is an intentional investment we will make in one another and in cultivating friendships.